is taken from the book of Matthew, and it's chapter 2. In the Pew Bibles, it's on page 966, reading from verses 1 through to 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east, came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be a shepherd, my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Ellie. Good morning, everyone. What a beautiful day. And as Tim rightly said, it's epiphany. I like that word. It sounds good. And I think I'm still beginning to understand what it means. So I did a quick check in the dictionary to make sure my understanding is correct. And it's something to do with seeing. Strictly speaking, it's something is made manifest, which means it is exposed, it is shown. An epiphany is about Jesus being made known to the Magi. These are the people that we've just seen on that little film clip. And according to, to tradition, as Tim said, there were three of them, and apparently we know their names. But actually, we don't know how many there were. We don't know their names. We don't know where they came from. We don't know exactly how far they had traveled. But we do know, reading the story, that they were on a journey from a very long way away. And it took them a while to get to where they were going. I don't know how many journeys you've done in your life, but I have definitely been around the globe once, and it didn't take that long. Not in real terms. It took me a few days. 
These guys, I reckon they were traveling for months from wherever they came because they were traveling without the internet, they were traveling without petrol, they were traveling probably with animals and several other people. But whoever they were, they knew what they were doing. They knew what they were following and they knew where they were heading for and who they were looking for. They'd seen a star in the sky and they followed the star as it guided them. Now some people don't like this idea very much and they're wondering what it is. So if you want to have a little check with anybody who is troubled about the guiding star, just let them come to Psalm 19. I love Psalm 19. Psalm 19 says, the heavens are telling the glory of God and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard and yet their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. And in Romans, Paul talks about creation communicating to us about who God is. And these magi, as they are called in Matthew's Gospel, were people who studied the stars. And back then, that's what some people spent their whole life doing, studying the stars, seeing what they were saying. And these men obviously had got the message through this particular star that a, a child had been born, the king of the Jews. And somehow they knew where to go. So they set off on a very long journey. And finally they arrive in Jerusalem and they think that once they're in the city, they will find the king of the Jews. They know that Jerusalem is where the king Herod lives. They know that there will be a child in that city so they start asking, where is the child who is born to be king of the Jews? We have seen his star in the east and we've come to worship him. Now sadly, the people living in Jerusalem were living under the rule of King Herod. Not an easy man. You and I wouldn't like it if he was in charge of our country. He was ruthless. He was a bit of a tyrant. He was a murderer and a liar. And so the people are a little bit afraid because they know if Herod finds out these men have come, there'll be trouble. And of course, Herod gets the message. Men looking for the son who is to be the king of the Jews. So Herod does the thing that is a good move. He gets together the chief priests and the scribes, those that are in the know. Because he knows that there's a rumor that the Messiah is to be born to Israel, the one who's going to come and throw out the Romans, the one who'll be uh, a king like David, a mighty warrior. So Herod's in the know a little bit, but he just needs to check where did they say he was going to be born? And the scribes and the chief priests come to him and they say, well, actually, it says in Micah, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And this is what the Lord had said to David back in Samuel. He's going to be the ruler and the shepherd of Israel like David. Remember? 
And then Herod probably wraps himself in a cloak, perhaps, we don't know, and goes for a secret meeting, a little secret meeting. He's crafty, isn't he? Doesn't want to be seen in public meeting these men. But he goes and says, tell me, he says, this star you've seen, when, when did it appear? Canny. So the Magi tell him it appeared back then. And in return, he says, well, he says, um, according to our scriptures, it says that this so-called king of the Jews is going to be born in Bethlehem. So why don't you go down there and have a look and see if you find him? Because I'd quite like to go and worship him too. The Magi had made it clear they wanted to go and worship this newborn king. So off the Magi go. And I wonder what it was like for them. You know, they'd travelled all that distance. They thought that what they were looking for, or who they were looking for, was going to be in Jerusalem. But he's not there. They seemed to cope quite well. They'd obviously patiently been waiting to see what would evolve as they waited a day or two, perhaps. And then they get the tip-off from the enemy. They get the tip-off that this child is probably in Bethlehem. So... They go on their way, another 10 miles, probably not that far in the grand scheme of things. So they trot down to Bethlehem, and they get to Bethlehem, and they look around this little town, and they find an ordinary home. Matthew tells us they were looking for a child, they weren't looking for a baby, and they were looking for a home in Bethlehem suggests it's probably a little while after Jesus was born. And when they're outside this house, what do they do? They party! They're so happy! They've got there! They're really, really thrilled and they celebrate! They're rejoicing and jumping up and down! Have you ever found something you've been looking for and not got excited? How many of you lost your keys and found them? It's nice, isn't it, when we find our keys? I was in a conversation with somebody yesterday who'd lost their purse. Fortunately, they found it. They were very happy. They phoned me back and said, I found it, I found it. I bet they were jumping up and down. Isn't it lovely when you've been looking for something and you find it? Very excited they were. They rejoiced. Yippee! Very happy. So, remember they've been travelling away from Jerusalem the end of their long journey, a sense of relief. Oh my goodness, we've got here, this is great. But they're not done yet. They probably dust themselves off a bit, go in their bags and find their treasures. Gold, frankincense, myrrh, all very rare, all very expensive. Gifts fit for a king. And then... They knock on the door. Imagine you are Mary, opening the door. And there is this little entourage outside and these particular persona waiting for you to admit them. People you've never met before, people who are complete strangers, people you haven't got a clue what they're doing, probably, and you let them in. Mary let them into her house. And they met her and the child. What do these foreigners do? 
They've traveled thousands of miles. They're probably a bit weary. What do they do? Ask to wash their hands? Ask to be fed a meal? Uh-uh. They don't. They fall on their knees and they bow down. They put their heads to the ground, as is fitting before a king in that age. And as they bow, they are saying, we honour you. We give you ourselves. We revere you. We respect you. You are the one who was born King of the Jews. To bow down is to worship. Some of us can't manage to do that very easily anymore. It's not particularly comfortable. They did it physically, but sometimes I think all of us, we do it in our hearts. We defer, we revere God. They worshipped him. And in the New Testament, about over 80 times it refers to worship, and about two-thirds of those references are about bowing down, about being in awe of the one we serve. Note the word serve. The other third of those words, you could check out Romans chapter 12, the first couple of verses, are talking about service, your spiritual act of worship, the way we serve one another. And as you may already know, but in ancient times, slaves would bow right down. Subjects to kings would bow right down. They were offering themselves in a very great position of vulnerability for service. And that's how we live our, our faith, live out our faith, isn't it? We bow down before God and say, here I am. I am your servant. And amazingly, our king, King Jesus, he too was a servant. He's known as the servant king. He is our great example. I'm so thankful for him, being a servant king. He's the one that comes and walks with us. So there's Magi. They've bowed down. They've given their beautiful, expensive gifts. And then they probably need a night of rest before they go on their way back to Jerusalem to tell Herod that they have found a king. But in the night, they get a dream, a very significant dream. And very often, dreams are given as a sign of warning. Sometimes they can be like a little filing cabinet through our day. And just occasionally, they might be given as a sign of warning. And for them, they were warned not to go back to Herod. The inconvenience, a massive inconvenience. Do you know that for them to not go back to Jerusalem meant they had to go right out of their way on a load of B roads, not A roads, B roads. They had to go down to Hebron, and then they had to go west, up the Gaza Strip, and back home round the Fertile Crescent, probably. How inconvenient. Do you know, sometimes 
when you have obeyed God and done something very exciting, when you leave what you've just done and accomplished, you can sometimes have the greatest challenge. I've found that several times when we've been out in Kenya or up in Scotland. On the way home, we need to watch our backs. We need to be careful. You can feel so relieved and so excited that you've finished what you had to do, that you stop staying alert. If you think of the end of the Second World War, in France, many of those that had been in the resistance were executed as collaborators. People who'd really been doing a great job, risking their lives, were murdered because people hadn't interpreted what they were doing. You've got to be careful and watch your back when you've accomplished something, especially in the context of your family. I can remember one very specific incident at an airport where Martin and I were wrestling about something, and I caught it, and I said, can we wait till we get home? Got to be careful. And God warned those wise men, those magi, that they needed not to go back to Jerusalem. So, with due diligence, they obeyed the dream, they obeyed the instruction, and went on their way. And what I've just been doing is unpacking the story that is a very familiar story for us. And I want to encourage you to unpack stories when you read them in the Bible. Some of them aren't that easy, but there are a couple of questions you can always do. You can always ask, who is in this story? You can ask, what is happening in the story? And one of the crucial things you can ask is, how is this happening? How are these magi? And as I've asked these questions of the story, I've really grown quite fond of those magi. I think they're extraordinary. And the lovely thing is, they're like us. They're Gentiles. They're foreigners. And yet they applied themselves to do what they were built to do. They read the stars, and they obeyed the stars. That was their training. And God worked with them to bring that revelation of the King of Kings, the King of the Jews, to ordinary people like you and me and those magi. You see, in some ways, we can think, all oh, those magi, they were extraordinary. Every human being is extraordinary. Every single one of us. We are a miracle made by God, our creator. And you, like me, created for great things. Great things can be a cup of tea for somebody at a good moment. Great things can be hours of prayer or you see somebody in the street in, in need and you stop and talk to them and offer them a word of encouragement. There's all sorts of things that we can do for God. But like the Magi, we need to see God too. I think the Magi had an awareness of God. They were the ones reading the stars. And my hunch is that they were aware of the Creator. Who is the one that you are aware of, that you worship? I wonder what he looks like in your imagination. How do you see him? I see him in people like you. When you are yourselves, I see a reflection of who God is. Each one of us reflects who he is. 
And yet there's always more, isn't there? So much more. And as we've been singing this morning, he is the one that we adore. He is the one we worship. He is the one we bow down and serve. He is magnificent. He is the one who flung the stars into space. And he continues to do that. He is the endless creator. But he's also the endless lover of our souls. I rather like him. And I haven't got to the end of finding out about him. There are no graduates here. We are all learners. And I wonder what it is that you're going to do this year. How will you travel with him? How will you look for the signs in your every ordinary day and obey him? Sometimes there are signs, sometimes there are not. Signs as ordinary as meeting somebody in a supermarket that you haven't seen for a long time, or maybe you only saw them once and having a conversation. And then a couple of weeks later, you happen, happen to meet them again. And you know on the way home, you have to pray for what is happening to them that day. There are all sorts of ways that God speaks to us. Yesterday I was at the MAG meeting, the Missionary Action Group prayer meeting, and around the breakfast table there were little things happening in our conversation, and I thought, pay attention, Susie, that's a good word, pay attention to that remark. What is God saying? How do I need to respond to that? There are all sorts of ways God speaks to us, And I want to encourage you and say, you have ears and you hear. You hear with your living ears and you hear with the ears of your heart. Keep listening, keep watching, like those wonderful magi. Created in the image of God for the display of his glory, just like us. And we display his glory in relationship with him and in relationship with one another. What we're going to do now is I'm going to play a song to you over the loudspeaker. There are no words on the screen. It's a song and it's about God. It's about the Magnificent One. It's a Matt Redman song. And you probably know it. It says, You show your majesty in every star that shines. And every time we breathe... Your glory, God, revealed from distant galaxies to here beneath our skin. You are higher than we could ever imagine and closer than our eyes could ever see. You are magnificent. You alone are holy. And as this song plays and you listen to the words, reflect on him and remember you are in relationship with him. He's the one that gives you breath. And he's the one with you, breathing together with you. May you see him. May you see the signs. May you hear him. And may you heed his voice. As you walk out a life of worship, and as you walk out a life of service, Happy New Year. Thanks, Aidan.